you know what? I keep getting comments on Lucy the dog, even on our social media. Oh, yeah. That's because we mentioned her on our podcast. Well, we were had babysitting duty yeah. for us. Yeah. Maybe we should have her on as a guest. What do you think? If we can get her to stop licking our faces, though. You know, annoying as that licking is, <laughs> it sure has a way of mellowing a person out. It does me. She sure got you the other day a big fat kiss. Yeah, that was a uh, a wet one for sure. Well, she loves you so much, Rod. Well, I'm glad. Hi, everyone, and here we are celebrating what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Roast Show. We invite you to follow us wherever you listen. And just to let you know, our episodes are always absolutely free to listen to. And of course, you can check us out at thoughtrowpodcast.com, where you can listen to any or all of our episodes right on the website. And if you want to share your thoughts with us, you can always reach out to us on the website's contact page. Yes, that's why our show is called Thought Row Podcast, because we want to hear your thoughts and we can always learn from one another. Okay, well, it's time for our new segment. Mm -hmm. And before I ask you about your quote. Okay. So who are we featuring on our new brand new segment called uh -huh. what are they up to now you built it up i'm like really <laughs> intrigued now <laughs> okay this week's feature is linda winter and she is an artist that we've had on the podcast not too long ago she's a great guest she was so lovely and she gave us a little update so linda winter who relocated to a very quaint and charming village in Italy, has continued her explorations of her newfound love for this chapter in her life. Besides her constant sojourns and explorations of the countryside, she continues to make pen and ink watercolor paintings, documenting her architectural discoveries of Italy. You know, that was quite a move. She left the UK and mm -hmm. moved to Italy. That's a big move, you know. It and, is such and, a change. And basically, she never looked back. I don't blame her. And she seems ecstatically happy. I'm so yeah, mad. I'm happy so. for her. Sure. And Linda shared with us that she painted a small image of Rome, an image that felt like a turning point for her. And she published it. A future client saw her work and the story began. They wanted to capture their new home in Umbria. Nothing could have prepared Linda for the Umbrian landscape and Santa Cristina, where the house is situated. I guess this was no ordinary house, and it seemed that she had stumbled into a commission of a lifetime. Yeah, people have to check Linda out because mm -hmm. she tells about that house, and apparently, it's it has quite a history. So you yeah. may want to you may want to check Linda out. I guess this resulted in creating numerous works of art for them. So that's really great. Yes. So congratulations to Linda. And then also Linda is working on a book since we last had her on the podcast. And she's working on it with her friend, the violin maker Giovanni Lazzaro, which we had on the podcast as well. Fascinating. Yeah, violin maker. That was a first for us. He was so good. And then, okay, so this story is a record of his life and the lives of the musicians who own some of his exquisite instruments. Yeah. And as part of her research, 
She visited Cremonia for the Stradivarius Festival and for a private concert played by his friends to an audience of international musicians and collectors. Boy, I'm envious of that. That had to be pretty spectacular on all those beautiful instruments. And and the lovely sounds. That must have been heavenly. And then Linda says, I am sure that as the falling leaves pass by my window, the story will continue. My thought is to still say yes to everything. However, for this to work, it needs to be tempered by the knowledge that it is not what you do for yourself that breeds opportunity. It is what you do for others. Yeah, and that's what also makes her a very special person. And Mm -hmm. uh, Linda is truly an inspiring artist. And I have to add, she happens to be a very good writer. Yes, she is. She is. And she give us your quote. Oh, okay. Good luck following up after that. I know, right? Okay, so here's my quote for today. A career is like a house. It is made of many bricks and each brick has the same value because without any one of them, the house would collapse. And that is by Andrea Bocelli. That's really a great quote. Would you have expected that? That was surprising for me. No, but you know what? I mean, he had to build his career. And I'm sure it was uh, lots and lots of baby steps Mm -hmm. uh, getting to the point where he is today, internationally known. True. Uh, I think that a lot of times people overwhelm themselves by looking too much at the overall picture Mm -hmm. and they don't spend enough time realizing that there's just a lot of little tiny steps to get from one place to the next. Also, and also you don't have to do them all at once. That's no, you the don't. Thing. You just, like you said, baby steps, like one literally at a time. Yeah. Most people that are very successful in life mm-hmm. have learned that concept. They just take, you know, one day at a time, one step at a time, because everything you do to move you toward your end goal Even if you only get one thing accomplished in a whole day and sometimes maybe in a whole week, Mm -hmm. you're still moving in that positive direction. And that's what makes this quote, I think, really special. So true. So are you ready to tell us your Rod's motivational moments? Uh, Yes, I am. Okay. I certainly am. Let's hear. Okay. The best friend you will ever have lives within you. Treat that person with respect. Boy, is that true. Well, you know what? A lot of times, I mean, there are people out there that put themselves down internally or they oh, sometimes they openly complain, oh, I never have this or I never get this kind of luck, whatever. But the best friend that you have in your life lives with inside you and you really want to treat that person with respect because that is the your internal dialogue mm-hmm. and you want that dialogue to be as positive as possible. Yes, we all have days that it's kind of tough to muster up that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? It's really important for you to recognize that your best friend truly does live with inside of you. And you should definitely treat that person with respect because that person is not going away. Well, I should be pushing the cheering button over here for you. <laughs> that was quite a statement and, and so true. Well, like, as I like to say, don't be willy-nilly about don't it. Don't be willy-nilly. Wow. You've been watching old movies again, I, I can I tell, from I like guess. 1921 or Apparently. something. Right, exactly. You know, I'm excited about the guest we're going to have on today. Mm-hmm. And the key word here is transition. So true. And today we're going to be speaking with Judith Phoenix Mees. And she is a transition coach and an executive CV writer and very charming. You guys are going to enjoy it so much. Yeah, this is going to be most interesting. 
Hi, Judith. This is going to be a first for the listeners and for us, because I don't think we've ever had a transition no, coach as a guest. So. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear what Judith has to say. And I think that your interview is going to be so informative. Well, thank you very much. Hello to you both. I've been looking forward to speaking to you and thank you so much for inviting me. Well, it's our pleasure. I'm kind of excited to have you as a guest. Entirely. Okay, Judith, before we start our interview, we always like to ask our guests what they had for breakfast. I know it's been a little bit of time for you because you're at the end of the day. (laughs) What did you have? I can still remember. (laughs) So... Breakfast for me is probably the most random meal that I have. I have all sorts of different things for breakfast. But today I had smashed avocado on wholemeal toast with a glass of apple juice and a coffee. Oh, that wow. sounds very that sounds nice. Good. Avocado toast is always delicious. Yeah, that's that's our, one yeah. of our favorites. Mm-hmm. And we live in an area in Southern California where there's tons of avocados. Yeah. Ah, lucky you. Yeah, yes. well, you wouldn't know it by the prices. Uh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> So so where are you talking to us from today exactly? Okay, so I'm in the UK. I live in a small town called Long Eaton and it's between Nottingham and Derby, which are two cities right in the middle of the UK. Oh, how nice. And Specifically, I work from home, so I'm sitting in my conservatory at my desk with my piano behind me. Oh, that might be more specific than you were wanting. No, <laughs> no, no, that, that was great. I, get, I have to ask you, do you play the piano then? Yes. I don't know that we discovered that about you. I do play the piano and the cello. Oh, I come from a musical family. Yes, well, we'll have to talk about, discuss that. Well, no, I have a question actually right now. Did you, like, you have siblings, right? Yes. Okay. And then with your siblings, did you have your own little band where you would perform? Uh, Wait, actually, we we did. So it was my mum who was at the heart of the music in our family. So my mum, incredibly musical, studied music at university, was a music teacher, uh-huh. a piano teacher, a church organist, a violin, a super talented. So we all yes. learned to play the piano from a very early age. I've got two sisters. All three of us learned to play when we were four years old, five years old. And then as we got a bit older, we all played various instruments. So I played the cello. My mm-hmm. middle sister plays the flute, piccolo, saxophone, you name it. Mm. Far too talented for her own good. <laughs> my, eldest, my eldest sister played the guitar. My aunt played the violin. So we did used to, to have a little mini orchestra in our dining room and quite often got together to play, which was fantastic. Must have been lovely at oh, Christmas yes. time. Oh, lovely. Absolutely lovely. And my mum being a church organist, she was the choir mistress as well. So we quite often had the entire choir (laughs) squeezed into our our dining room, singing Uh carols or hymns or whatever else. So very lucky. What a fun household. Um, Where did you guys grow up? We grew up actually not far from where I am now. So my whole family are, are Nottingham born and bred. So I live on the other side of the city now to where I, I grew up. But yes, not not that far away. I'm going to, I have a question for you, but I want to make one comment about your skill as a pianist. Mm-hmm. Do you perform anywhere? 
No, I don't. I did used to. You know, growing up, we were in the school orchestra. Uh, my middle sister and I went to a, a music school on a Saturday and were part of various orchestras. And we used to perform back then. But as is quite common, I think the older you get, the rest of yeah. <laughs> the rest of life gets yeah, in sure. the way. It's and I, I've just never had the time to commit. And if you're going to perform, it takes a, a good deal of of time keeping your skills up to that mm-hmm. level so i i have to say i i moved away from that my my middle sister performs in lots of different ways but i i don't anymore i just mm. play for my own amusement oh nice well, that's that's the best you know you're a transition coach and not everyone knows exactly what a transition coach does in fact i learned quite a bit just from going over your website in our initial chat that Angie and I had with you in the very, I don't know, a few weeks ago. So Judith, tell us exactly what a transition coach is or what they do. Well, it's not surprising that you didn't particularly know what a transition coach is and not many people do because it's what I would describe as something of a hybrid role. So Typically, people may well have heard of a career coach. That is part of what I do. But as a transition coach, as the name somewhat implies, I help my clients transition from being in one role to another. And sometimes that's from one job to another. Sometimes it can involve changing from one sector to another. And in making that change, there's an awful lot that is involved. So some of my coaching work is helping my clients to understand what is the change that they want to bring? Why do they want a new role? Mm -hmm. What is it that they enjoy? What do they not enjoy? What do they believe their strengths are? What happens an awful lot is most of my clients, if not all of them, have skills which they haven't recognised as being skills, things which they've taken for granted Mm -hmm. because they've done them for years and don't necessarily realise that it's something special that they're bringing. So a lot of the transition coaching part of what I do is uncovering those skills, helping them to really have the clarity of what they want next and why that is what they want. And that then becomes the foundation of how I can help them through through the rest of the process that I, I take them through. So there's almost sometimes an element of it almost it can, it can be counselling. When you take people through a process which is going to bring a lot of change, it can bring up all sorts of mm-hmm. emotions and insecurities and fears and concerns and all of those things are addressed through the, the process. So the transition coaching piece, it's very much at the start of the process, but it is woven through the whole thing. Thank you for that. Wow. The, it reminds me about you playing the piano. You transitioned from that. <laughs> well, that's a good analogy. That's a good <laughs> analogy to draw. You know, that that's so uh, amazing because you you're you have so many avenues of of helping people by, you know, being a transition coach, so meaning you're not only just doing, you know, basically uh, matching a job to something that they might find more fulfilling, 
but also you're you're helping this person transition and as a human and identify what yeah. maybe they're missing out on themselves. That's absolutely right. It's one of the things I love about my work because, of course, everybody is different. Even two people who on the face of it are doing the same job in a similar sort of organization. Mm -hmm. There's lots of nuances that mean that they're not the same. They don't do things in the same way. And right. um, so you mm -hmm. know every client is a is a fresh opportunity. There's always something for me to learn as well. And I never know at the start of the process exactly where it's going to lead with that person. Mm -hmm. Oh, I would think not. So it, it's it's certainly what keeps things completely fresh from from my point of view, which is fantastic. It's a real privilege. Yeah, I, it's yeah. exciting. So exciting. So what led you on this career path and has it been rewarding to you uh, consistently? Oh, a, it's a good question. Um, well, I'll, I'll try and keep the summary of how I landed on this career path. Yeah. Uh, as brief as I can, because it does go back quite quite a way. So if I go back right to the very start of my career, my first job was as a personal assistant uh, to a managing director in a firm of management consultants. So that was the very start of me doing lots of written work, taking notes, taking minutes, lots of, of keyboard skills required. So that was the very start. And I learned an awful lot doing that. I then made a move into sales, which was a real departure for me and not particularly something that I enjoyed, but it was sales within the world of print. And back then it was traditional print, not digital print. That hadn't even that hadn't even been invented sure. when I when right. I when I was in 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 that world. Mm -hmm. But Getting involved in the world of print led to me ultimately becoming a production manager in a firm of graphic designers, which was down in London. I had about eight years living down in London. And part of my role, I promise this will make sense to you at the end. Yeah. <laughs> part of my role there was to schedule all the elements of every job that went through the agency. So, for instance, they created glossy brochures for people like BMW, big names. And my job was to find the people to create those brochures. So it was a photographer, it was a copywriter, it was a printer. Mm -hmm. And in the course of me doing that, I had a particular agency that I used to source people when there weren't enough people in-house. And I used to regularly speak to the lovely owner, a lady called Letitia, who was fantastic. And when I eventually decided I wanted to move on from that role, I rang her because she was a recruitment consultant. And she invited me to go in to talk to her. And she said, Judith, from the first day I spoke to you, I thought there's somebody who should be working in recruitment. I've got a job for you if, if oh, you want nice. it. And she, she offered me a job on the spot. Should I just know that it, it would suit you? And I thought, well, I've, I've got nothing to lose. That does sound really exciting. I could see myself doing that. So that was the very first step into the world of recruitment. And that was back in 1995. So working in recruitment, 
that eventually led to me working with senior executives. It was executive recruitment. I was trained as a headhunter. So I was going out to market and finding managing directors, CEOs, COOs, finance directors, you name it, sourcing them for my clients. As part of that process, I always would rewrite somebody's CV if they were a great candidate, but the CV let them down. To me, it made sense for me to rewrite it because it was much easier for me to then represent them mm-hmm. to my client rather than me just saying, you know, trust me that they're fantastic. If I could provide a, a, a really tip top CV as well, it made that much easier. And I used to get into terrible trouble for it because the people I worked for weren't allowed to charge for that. Yeah, sure. But I would say, but if that, if that makes it easier for me to place them and then you get the fee, it just made sense to me. Right. So that was the start of me getting involved in writing CVs, working with senior executives. So then when I ultimately set up my own business, which was 2005, and at the start of that, it was still in recruitment. But then gradually over a period of time, it translated into, I so loved the the, the CV writing mm-hmm. part of that. That was the start of it evolving into the service, which I, I now deliver today. Wow. That is so what a, what a like, interesting, but I have to say path. it's so creative, Judith, like to take people's lives, uh, work lives and then make it in a, in a way that's sellable, but yet they can understand what that person has done with their life. Their work life is really like so creative and so important. I suspect there's a lot of motivation involved here too. Yeah. Cause you're, you have to, yeah. I, my next question was going to be related to CVs, CVs, but you covered that quite well. And uh, in the process though, of, telling people how they might move from one career to another career, does it require you motivating them? I mean, is it a black and white thing? They go, look, I don't want to do this anymore. Could you find something else for me? Or do you have to sit there and say, hey, you know what? If you don't take a chance now, you never will. Do you know, every client is is different. Every client is different. And some some clients come to me and they they are very clear on what they want next, but they're not sure how to position themselves. So they know what they want to do, but they don't quite know how to get there. Mm. Quite a lot of clients, however, come to me and they know they're not happy. They can't necessarily put their finger on what it is that isn't right. They want something to change. They don't want to jump from the frying pan into the fire by going somewhere else. And that's the reason that those people come to me. And then my process helps them to recognize the things that have been either troubling them or undermining them. You know, Whatever the reason is, it starts to bring that clarity and, and that that simply comes from asking a, a lot of questions and for me an awful lot of listening my clients talk an awful lot more than I do so I listen to what they're saying and then I'm able to hone in on a particular thing and say I notice you know when you were talking about this thing you know I noticed that your energy dropped you you looked more concerned you know, has that been troubling you? All sorts of things. 
come out of that process. But it is it is different for for everyone. There's a little bit there of psychology going on there. A little <laughs> yeah, bit of psychology, psychology going on there because people people will telegraph whether they know it or not if mm-hmm. they're feeling really good about something or if it's, uh, you're hitting a negative nerve, whatever. I think, uh, Angie, your next question is most applicable here. Yeah, definitely. Um, in your current career, you work with some very interesting people with various occupations. Tell us what you have learned from them. Oh, goodness me. Where, where to start? Um, <laughs> I'm not, as I've already said, honestly and truly, I learn something from every single client that I, I work with. I think perhaps one of the things which it, it still surprises me, even though I've been working with senior executives for a, a, a long time, Back in the day when I was recruiting in, in my earlier years, I always had this notion that the people who were at the top of the tree, who were earning uh, a, a high salary, they were in a senior position, they were leading teams. Mm-hmm. To me, it looked as though they'd got it all. And you think, you, you know, you're, li- you're living the dream. Right. What becomes very apparent is an awful lot of them aren't. No. <laughs> They have to present to the business, to the world, that they're super confident. And that isn't always the case. And very often they come at the bottom of the pile in terms of people even asking them, are you okay? They're looking after everybody else. They look out at the business. So they're concerned with how well is the business doing? How well are my teams doing? How do I support my teams? How do I get my teams to deliver what I I need them to? And they don't really look at themselves. And that's why I think quite a lot of them end up feeling a little bit stuck by the time they come to me because they haven't spent all that long actually looking inwardly, looking at themselves, considering how they're feeling Mm -hmm. about things. That's still quite surprising to me. I think what what I've learned is there is always something to learn. My clients learn from me and I learn from them. And that's something that I believe in in life. There is something to learn every single day if you choose to be mindful of that and recognize it. Yeah, we agree. We agree agree. with that completely. What a great answer. Yeah, that's an excellent answer. answer. And I think that people misunderstand people's insecurities sometimes when you are in charge uh, there's nobody for you can't sound back to the people that are working for you because it puts you in a kind of a vulnerable position because then people start saying, well, you know, this guy, he's got his problems and he's trying to tell us what to do. Yes. Yes. And I, I think as well, in part with the work that I do now, and this has been a significant change now that I, I don't recruit. When my clients come to me, that you know, they're they're very open and I recognize and really understand that they are potentially making themselves vulnerable in being so open with me. Mm-hmm. But because I'm not a recruiter, I'm not the person who is placing them in a role. If I was still a recruiter, I don't think my clients would be as completely open 
as they are with me. No, you you no, have oh, you have quite not, a relationship no. with them, and and of course they know everything that they share with you is confidential and never is going to go past Absolutely. you. Absolutely, and that is critical, and that's probably part of the success. You have a, a also very good it's it's reputation. very rare, like you were saying, Judith, for people of you know this level of executive to have someone they can actually talk to that gets what they're saying. Yeah. Outside of their family. Outside of their family. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's very much about it being, I suppose, what you might call a safe space mm-hmm. for them to say things to me. They know that it, it's in confidence and they can say things that they either don't tell anybody else or or that they maybe think their wife or their husband have heard that a hundred times yeah, because yeah, they say sure. it when they, when they go home. Yeah, there's sure. all of those things. But of course, it's by them being so open with me. Mm-hmm. That is how I'm then best able to help them because I can then use what they tell me to advise, to support, to encourage. And going back to something you said earlier, some of it is about motivating because whoever you are, if you're looking for a a new role, you need to look for a new role for whatever reason. Well, it's always because something isn't quite right. Something means you're not completely happy. Mm, When you're not completely happy, that hits your motivation But to be successful, especially in the current market, is so fiercely competitive. You need to be as close to your A game as you can and have as much energy to put into that as you can. So that's something I take very seriously. And it's quite a big responsibility helping them to to get their motivation high emotionally as as well as in a practical sense, giving them tools to to use Mm -hmm. their mindset and how they feel emotionally about it is hugely important. Sure. You know, have you found that because of what's been going on in the all over the world right now over the past year, year and a half, that people are looking to change careers or explore other career opportunities for personal growth just because what they've been dealing with? uh, Maybe consistently over the years, really. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, but obviously this last couple of years have been a strain on a lot of people. A little strange, yeah. I mean, I would, I would say. From my point of view, I'm seeing just as many clients as I ever have. The reason why they are coming to me, some of that has changed. You know, some people were in a role that they thought they were going to retire in. And particularly, for instance, I know I've I've got clients who have worked in hospitality, in the airline industry, you know, the things which have been hit so horribly in the last... 18 months, two years. So people who thought that they were going to be safe in their role and suddenly they're not. And also the opportunities which they might have thought they would look at, all gone. Yeah. So when that is the reason that somebody is is needing a new role and they come to me, that's one of those occasions when we need to look together at understanding the skills and translating them in terms of what appears on a CV mm-hmm. into something which can be transferable elsewhere. Everybody has skills that can be transferred. Everybody. I don't believe there's anybody who can't transfer their skills, but sometimes people need a little bit of help in understanding how that can happen. You you give us such complete and in-depth answers. I'm, yeah. I'm amazed at how 
Well, I'm not amazed. I knew you would. I knew you'd be capable of that. But go ahead, Edge. I, I think just to really express what the climate is and what people are dealing with so succinctly and so, you know, wonderfully, you know, thank you for that because I think you're putting into words what a lot of people are feeling, but they don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough time. And of course I know people who come to me, they have, they've got their own issues they're dealing with, but they've got their family around them. No, I have worked with clients who have lost loved ones during the pandemic. Mm. So there's other things that are going on around them, not connected to their work, but which still have a huge impact on them. So they're dealing with those things while also having to find themselves a new role. Right. And, and that, that takes things to uh, another level. And that very much comes back to giving them support, encouragement, mm. and in, in lots of different respects. Sure. Yeah, we're going to, on these next few questions, we're going to have to keep them maybe a little bit shorter, but what is your next question? Well, you know, my, mine is. Because I got some, we got some good questions we're going to ask you (laughs) and I don't want to miss them. I'm sorry, I'm I'm talking far too much. No, 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 you're doing fine. So appreciate it. No, because what you're saying is really important. I mean, it's really competent, interesting things. And we're excited to hear what we're hearing. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so my question is, what do most people that you consult for have in common? I, I think the simple answer to that is just that they aren't happy where they are. Okay. They want something to change. In a real nutshell, that's the common ground for lots of different reasons, but that is what it boils down to. Okay. On, the, on the topic of personal growth, how is your current business model affecting you personally, Judith? Interesting question. Um, it's not something I would have thought about. I would have said, this sounds dreadful in the current situation, but I'm I'm loving my job even more because there are more layers to the work that I'm doing with people. I'm incredibly lucky because I'm incredibly busy. You know, I I haven't stopped since January 2020, which is fantastic. So I'm loving it even more, which might sound like a slightly odd answer to that question, bearing in mind the current circumstance. And it's a real privilege helping people to move forward. It always is, but with with, such a a tough situation that everybody is in, it's even more of a privilege to feel like I'm making a difference to people, which is something that's really, it's really important to me. For sure. And you wouldn't be as successful as you are if you weren't providing a service that's desperately needed. Oh, yeah. And the fact that you're so competent at providing that service, you're doing, obviously you're doing a great job because people, they want to hire you. Yeah. You, can, you know, you can't yeah. beat that. Yeah. What's your question, Angie? You know, it appears to me people all over the world are looking for better ways to live. How do you help those people reassess what they're currently doing and where they ultimately would like to be? Now, you've covered some of this yeah, early some of this, on. But so if you've got a just kind of a nutshell, nutshell. OK, um, the key is really understanding what people have to bring. So in a, in a nutshell, my consultation process uh, is, a, is a deep discussion. My consultations are around three hours. 
Mm. It covers the entirety of my client's career. So the earlier career, we'll, we'll talk about quite briefly. But then as they explain to me what they have done in their various roles, that's when I, I dig much deeper and I challenge some of the things that they might talk about. I ask them lots of questions. Nothing is taken at face value. So that is how I start to build a picture of who they are, what they deliver. And also I can hear and I can ascertain when they're telling me things that they haven't been happy with. Mm -hmm. So I would then, for instance, when I say I challenge, I would say, so if you went back and you run that project again, what would you do differently? Oh, that's how I start to gather the information so that I understand their thought process, where they're coming from. I mean, it is, it's hard to sum this, sum this up very briefly, but it's about digging deep and challenging and asking lots of questions. That's how I get to see, I suppose what you say is the real person, mm-hmm. sure. not just the person that they're presenting to the business or the world. I get to really understand it. That's how I'm then able to say, every time you talk about X, I can hear that you're not happy. Yeah. They and do you want a role that, invo- that involves that again? No, I absolutely hate it. Right. Okay. Well, let's focus on finding something where you don't have to do that thing. Oh, perfect. See, that's really great. In, 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 in a nutshell, it's that. But, but you know, it's, t- it's time and time again that those sorts of questions are being asked. You know, some people know Angie and I as uh, business consultants. But to my knowledge, and I'm looking at Angie, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has ever talked to us about changing their career. No. Are you seeing this happening more and more nowadays? People looking to change their careers? I would say, I mean, this is in in my experience working with senior executives. I I don't think that there's necessarily more. I think some of the reasons why they are looking, mm-hmm. that's the thing that has changed rather than necessarily the volume of people who are looking. Hmm. That's very interesting. Hmm. More volume. More volume. Okay. Well, we know you're based in the UK. Are most of your clients in that country or are you helping others around the world with their CV and their desire to transition from one career to another? I do work with clients internationally. I would say that probably 70% of my clients are in the, the UK and the the rest are all over all over the globe. Um, So at the moment, I'm working with people in Greece, in the Netherlands, in the States, in Israel. Really everywhere. So yes, it, it, it pretty much is everywhere. Okay, great. Great to know. Which is great. And understanding about different cultural nuances. Again, that's one of the layers of when I talk about how how varied my work can be, that brings another another level to it. And also creating CVs that fit in their particular country, in their culture, in their industry. It's different every time. Now that's something <laughs> that's something I would not have thought about, that's but true it's about very the real. Portion, because yeah. we have a lot of guests from all over the world. We've talked to people from India, Israel, 
Italy, and they all come at this podcast a little bit differently. They have much to share, but they do bring up, I mean, we do pick up on their cultural thinking. Yeah. And if somebody is trying to transition from one position to another in India, that could be a whole different set of circumstances they have to deal with, I suppose. Versus they were Sweden. Doing it, yeah. yeah, in Sweden. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And depending on the employment market and what is happening economically, even though we know the globe has been hit economically, you know, almost in its entirety, in a general sense, you know, that those nuances can affect the work that I need to, to do and structuring a CV in a particular way, tailoring the content in a particular way. So, yes, it's, it's different for everybody. Hmm, if, if someone wants to drastically, let's say they've been a C-level executive for 20 years or even more, and then all of a sudden they want to move entirely into a different direction. Maybe they want to become an artist or maybe they want to become a concert pianist. Is there any way that they could make that transition? I mean, could, is that something you could advise somebody on? I mean, I, I can certainly advise on that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in if you want something enough, you will find a way. Now, if you want to become a concert pianist, that's not going to be something that happens overnight, especially if you're not a pianist at all to start mm-hmm. with. Yeah, sure. So no, that does depend on on the circumstance. But if you really want something and you commit to it, it's amazing what you can achieve. I think for a lot of people, the biggest thing is really recognizing what is it, what is it that I want to do and why do I want to do that? And once you've got that licked, whether you can set about achieving it. Yeah. The, yeah, definitely. The desire yeah, and the yeah, passion, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This is a question that I ask everyone, but in your case, I have to word this slightly different. Judith, in five words or less, what would you tell people that are unhappy in their current career? Oh, good question. I would say, be brave, make the change. Oh, perfect. Well, that pretty much cuts to the chase because you need to you need to be in that <laughs> mindset, right? Well, brave, brave, that's brave a, it's an interesting choice it. of words because it does take a tremendous amount of bravery and trusting your own self mm-hmm. and pumping up your own self-esteem, which is something I said, suspect that you have to do for people sometimes. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, something else that um, perhaps is relevant to mention at, at this point, of all the clients who come to me, they never, ever come to me because they want more money, ever. It's never about a higher salary. Uh, a lot of them are willing to take a, a, a cut. It's about being happy doing what they're doing. It's about being recognized. It's about being appreciated. A lot of it is to do with people's values. It is never, ever about the money, which is interesting in itself. Yeah, that that is interesting. What do you personally hope to accomplish in the next two years, Judith? Oh, gosh, you're asking good questions. Um, Yeah, that's why we speeded you up a little bit, because we want to get to the the tough stuff. Yeah. In all honesty, I will be truly happy if over the next two years I'm doing exactly what I'm doing now. Now, my services have evolved over the the last, what, 16 years since I've been running my business. 
I'm doing everything that I want to do. I believe I add real value to my clients. There isn't a single part of my process that I don't absolutely love. And I don't think many people can say that. Everything about the process I love, the consultation, uh, the research, the actual writing, the reviewing, the editing, there isn't a single part of what I do that I don't love 100%. So if I'm still doing that in another two years, well, hopefully beyond the next two years, I will be a very, very happy bunny. So I'm guessing by your answer that you don't need Angie and I to help you identify a new career path. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to say I would be intrigued to hear <laughs> what your suggestion for me might be. I don't know. We might I have didn't. to talk about that another time. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're the perfect place no, doing the perfect doing... thing. You're providing such a wonderful service for so many people. And I'm sure they greatly appreciate you helping them move in a new direction. I, I, I mean, that you're doing something that's really wonderful. You know, you're, you're right where you should be because you're, you're singing in all of your talents and you're making others sing in their talents as well, so to speak. Oh, nicely put. Yeah. Well, one of my clients once said to me, she compared me to Dumbo's feather. And I thought, that's not very charming. And she said, what I mean is, Judith, you help other people to fly. Ah. which is possibly one of the nicest things that anyone's ever said. So doing that for somebody is, um, uh, it's a privilege. I know it's a word I use a lot, but it, I feel very privileged to to do what I do. What a nice thing to say. And it really describes what you're doing 100%. And what a good friend. What a great friend for you. Thank you. All right. Welcome. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you the question we ask all of our guests, and I love hearing their answers. And that is, if you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? Oh, that's that's quite tough. My, see, my instant reaction would be, mm-hmm. I would love to talk to my mum and dad and ask them the stuff that I never asked them when they were here. Yeah. Because they were both fascinating, fascinating people. But if you if you want... If you want somebody uh, other than my mum and dad, do you know what? I think I would have to say I would probably want to speak to Mozart. Oh, yeah. Oh, he would be fascinating. But I really liked your <laughs> mom and dad, too. I so your I like mom, your yeah. two-phase two answer is fantastic. Yeah, the, we get a lot of people say that it's their grandparents a lot of times, it's, mm-hmm. or it's their parents. Or it's their parents. Um, and not everybody that we interview, I mean, their parents are still with them. But then they'll mm-hmm. immediately go to their grandparents. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's really a good answer. Such a good answer. I mean, I think we all wish we would have said or asked something of our parents that, we look back and right, retrospect. history. And, and, yeah. And, yeah, even about our own history. Yeah, our own history. You know, there's just things that we wish we could have. And that, you know, the fact that your uh, mother was such an accomplished talent in her own right, she'd have a lot to share with you. And I think the other thing I would say is I think both your mother and father would be extremely proud oh, of yeah, their so daughter. Oh, proud. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's a very lovely thing to say. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, unfortunately, Judith, uh, we have to wrap this interview up. It's wonderful chatting with you. And I know our listeners, and there's a lot of our listeners are in flux. 
and they don't know what the future is going to hold for them. But I think they've learned quite a bit from our discussion with you today. I mean, you shared some really good insight and maybe some of what you said will help them reevaluate what's going on in their lives. Absolutely. And maybe they might just all of a sudden go, hey, you know, maybe I should think about another career opportunity. Yeah. Or getting in a situation where they have a transition coach where they can transition their career to a place where they're feeling more happy and um, enjoying their career. One of the things I think, Judith, that has been very good about this is that we know our listeners are going to like this. I know Angie and I really benefited from hearing this is it's going to kind of give them permission to think about Mm -hmm. the opportunity of transitioning from what they're doing today to something else. I I think this uh, interview with you is going to tell people, hey, you know what? It's okay to think about. To rethink yourself. Thank you. To rethink yourself. Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. Life is too short to be doing a job that makes you miserable or that adversely affects your health. And in my experience, there is always something else that you can do in a different way of using your skills that will make you happier. Oh, I love that. It's great. Well, you know, I, I want to let everyone know if you'd like to know more about Judith, we will have links for her under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com so everyone can learn more about her. And please connect with her on social media and check out her website to learn more. Judith, thank you. Yes, we really appreciate you, so you taking the time to be with us today. Thank you again. A real pleasure. All right. Well, enjoy your evening. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day.